Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Good morning, or in my guest's case, afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing. And my guest today is Nick Crawford, owner and principal consultant of Twist Consultancy. Nick, welcome. Glad you, uh, glad you accepted the invitation to, to join me and talk today. No, it's an honor. It's, uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Tell, uh, tell people a bit about Twist, and then we'll delve into your very deep past with email after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so Twist is, is my consultancy. Um, we hit five years in June, um, and it, the premise really, um, so kind of my background is a mixture of kind of vendor agency and client side, um, mm-hmm. but Twist for me is all about um, how do you um, engage and create more relevant marketing? So we have a strap line that runs, you know, um, relevance engages and engagement converts. And so um, nice. although my background is email, it's important to see where email sits in the integrated marketing mix. Um, and really, a lot of great marketing is more about the planning and really trying to understand your customer and then worrying about what channel you're putting in. So having a, a blend of kind of multiple channel experience, but with that real focus on email because it creates relationships better than any channel, I think. Um, that's that's kind of, that's the mix that we bring. Seize on that last statement for a second. E- e- you know, email strength at creating relationships. Uh, how come? <laughs> and well, we, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so I think, because it's one of the few channels that you can directly talk to your own customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's not belittling the other channels. So social in terms of being able to find new reach of being able to create that awareness, it does it better than anywhere else. And, and, you know, email really struggles in those kind of the top part of those, those funnels for, and certainly if you're in a, an acquisition stage, mm-hmm. um, Slightly easier for business to business, but business to consumer, almost impossible to do by email. Right. But actually, once somebody has become aware of you and put their hand up and said, I would like to learn a little bit more about you, mm-hmm. that ability to be able to kind of both speak directly to them and also to be able to um, understand how they have behaved with your business, what their context is, mm-hmm. and to be able to tailor those messages um, is far more in the marketer's control within email than probably any other channel. So, you know, okay, you can have web variation, you can have web personalization, for example, but actually that will still need to kind of work at scale. Whereas email pretty much, you know, okay, your mass market newsletter can still be absolutely tailored to say, what did you last click on? Or have you got something in the basket? Your tactical emails, actually, this is what you did before or what you've engaged with. And then your trigger, almost your one-to-ones, you've just done something or this is your life stage. Yeah. Actually, you know, that level of control is, you know, is where email really plays to its strengths. Okay. Okay. And um, so what I hear you saying that that seems like really good advice for listeners is is don't just think of email in isolation for for sure, but think in terms of that strength of of you know, conversation and relationship building. Um once, once they've said, as, they, as you said, stick their hand up and say, yeah, I, I, I do want to hear more about you or, or I have bought something from you and maybe I'll consider, you know, buying or doing, uh, doing more. Um, okay. Yeah. Tell, tell us a bit about the either customer base or favorite customers for, for you and, and uh, Twist. Um, so I, I'm very lucky that I kind of work a, across a mixture of customers. So I do a, um, a lot of work at the moment with um, – uh, a wildlife charity, so the uh, RSPB, which is the Royal Society for the Prevention uh, for Protection of Birds. Cool. Where they have expanded out, so it's kind of wildlife as a whole. Yeah. Um, and that's been really interesting for me. So I've kind of worked with them for the for the last three years, um, uh-huh. both in terms of kind of channel platform, the art of the possible with email, as well as uh, content specialisms for for email. 
Um, and so that's all about um, the supporter experience. So actually, this is not necessarily selling you something. This is not yeah. a service that they're using, but this is, I want to support you and how best can the organization um, uh, promote the right kind of support in the right way for that for that individual. Um, so it's a very different mindset than, uh, you know, coming out of uh, more commercial operations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm really glad that I one, I'm glad to hear that you're you know you're you're helping them because so many I think so many charities and nonprofits struggle they struggle partially to, to find the expertise and partially to admit that they they also need to have some expertise and apply some expertise in that relationship building. Their cause alone is probably not sufficient. Yeah. And actually you find that, that that's an internal conversation as much as anything else. So you've got the the conservation and the science that yeah. are saying this is the most important thing because this is what makes a difference. Yeah. And then you've got the fundraising teams going, but without the revenue, yeah, all that work can't happen. And and yeah. so there's this this kind of sometimes, you know, not so nice yin yang that kind of needs to happen, but they they absolutely need to live live you know, coexist. Oh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I want to take it in sort of a tactical direction, an email and pick on what was the name of the organization again? So it's the RSPB. RSPB. Yeah, so the Royal um, Society for the Protection of Birds. And you said expanded out and it's you know wildlife habitat, etc. Yeah. Do they get involved in um in land land conservation as well? Yeah, so they're probably the largest uh nature conservation charity. Um okay globally um in terms of the width so yeah land acquisition um species control habitat um uh returns um as well as kind of education and and the citizen science parts um so there's one of the biggest things certainly in the uk everyone will know this but they um have a um big garden bird watch so Mm -hmm. for one hour in january um the nation is asked to count and record how many uh birds they see in the garden yeah. So it's a way of kind of bringing everyone together, a way of raising awareness. And yeah. clearly in these kind of lockdown times, everyone has become more aware of their green spaces and the nature that's around them and the benefit that it gives you. Yeah. Um, so it's been the best year ever that we've had uh, in terms of numbers and volume. But it's a way of being able to kind of measure the decline and or increase of certain populations. But yeah. if you imagine, you know, one person kind of doing that count gives you a view yeah. Um, this year we had over a million people actually submit their counts uh, for wow. us. So that view of the population becomes really meaningful from a scientific point of view as well. Yeah, and that uh, that's brilliant. The you know simultaneous for an hour, right? Uh, talk talk about a talk about a sample set. Um, I, I I I'm I'm curious to delve into your thinking a bit or your the advice that you give them about that um, that tension between keeping keeping and building the relationship and nagging people which tends to backfire on the relationships like i may agree with your cause let's call it wildlife passion of mine as well but if you email me you know every hour it's not going to last you know like how do you tell them to navigate how do you help them navigate that yeah so there's a, there's a couple of considerations uh, one and this is this is the same for a lot of businesses there are lots of part of the organization that that want to get their message out front and center mm-hmm. as a priority. So, mm-hmm. you know, within within the organization, you can have bought something from their shop and supported that way. You can become a member. So you've got an ongoing kind of revenue that's coming in. Yeah. You can give to an appeal or a donation or a raffle. You can campaign. So your time, they've got reserves, so land that you can go and see, so events and visitors. Um, so there are a number of different ways that you can support mm-hmm. and each of those parts of the organization want to go, but mine's important. I, yeah. I want to get out yeah. to the supporters and tell them. So there's a, a balance to be had across all of that messaging. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and there's also then um, this balance between actually any of those may be relevant at any moment in time, but bring them all together at the same time. Suddenly they're not relevant as a supporter. I'm now absolutely getting bombarded. So what we're doing quite a lot of work with is trying to understand um, the best supporter journey based on where you start and where you get to. So the, the, the short term view is if I bought from the shop, I'll just talk to you about shop items, or if I've given to an appeal, I'll yeah. just talk to you about an appeal items. Okay. But actually, can we get smarter with that and go, well, actually, if I bought something from a shop that's 
puffin related who doesn't love a puffin <laughs> and actually we've now got an appeal that's kind of seabird related or puffin specific actually that probably is more relevant than not so introducing that as a way that you can help yeah allows an onward journey conversely actually um if i bought from a shop don't just tell me about giving actually allow me to understand the choices that i have and then based on what I read, what I click, my action with that that interaction, yeah. then start to segment and target me and go that way. And that's that's how we're, we're trying to use email almost um, as a Harry Potter sorting hat to actually go, what have you done? And actually, what do we give you next to be able to kind of make it as relevant as possible? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, what house, do, what house, what house would you put yourself in? Uh, I'm, um, uh, uh, was it Huff, Hufflepuff? Was it? Uh, Hufflepuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I can see. Not the gentler one. No, no slithering for me. <laughs> extraordinarily, yeah, extraordinarily nice guy. I'm not sure they wouldn't have stuck me in Slytherin, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, this is this is a fascinating um, X-ray to put on on email to talk about a nonprofit because it's so easy to go down the the rat hole of of. Uh, buy and commercial and purchase and 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 that and at the same time that's not what the long-term relationship with the customer is really about um and and for your you know call a wildlife nonprofit, um they're they're thinking in terms of relationship but they've got to earn that space in the head and the inbox yeah as well yeah because you've you've got you know not only um vying for attention for other charities you know mm. there's no bad charity so where do i spend my money or my right. time right but also you've got that share of wallet of actually you know and again the last year where a lot of people have have had to become more frugal and yeah. and you know cash is a is a more sensitive subject yeah. actually can i afford to give for mm. something that potentially is a nice to have rather than a, an essential so yeah. this is you know there are it's the same you know very similar issues to lots of business it's just that you know if there's a different uh, filter that you need to put on it sometimes yeah. and like all things you know charity can learn or third you know the third sector can learn from commerce can learn from uh you know from commercial etc etc it's yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and everywhere a fascinating and you you brought you bring to this conversation considerable experience with business uh you know commercial clients as well correct yeah, absolutely. So I've um, had the pleasure of kind of working across automotive, travel and leisure, uh, gaming, um, uh, as well as kind of commerce sites. So, yeah, it's fascinating. So in a really as a kind of really good example where that kind of cross learning works um, a few years ago, uh, web personalization, email to web was kind of a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not not this not such a big thing. We just still haven't cracked it properly, but it was kind of first <laughs> introduced and, the, and was the new kind of yeah. shiny object. Yeah. Um, and so lots of kind of commerce sites were going, actually, how can we personalize? What's that kind of based on? Mm-hmm. You then talk to a gaming client. So, you know, like the likes of Coral Gala or Betfred or, you know, the kind of big online uh, gambling sites. Mm-hmm. And their question is not um, what's the personalization because they know their customers so well. They know really? exactly depending on where you start. Are you kind of on slots or you're on football, soccer, or are you on, uh, you know, horse racing? They know what you're most likely to do next. They know what your amounts are. They really have a, a really rich uh, view yeah, of, yeah. Of, the, of their kind of customer behavior. So their question is not, what do I personalize with? Their question was, how fast can we get that personalization? If I'm really? in match, if I want to put new odds in front of someone by text um, you know, at half time, yeah. how can I do that? And yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the same issue, but in a really different way. And, and that's, that's the fun of kind of working cross sector. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, and, and on, online betting is an interesting one for the, I mean, for the U S audience, uh, a lot of, a lot of online gambling. No, <laughs> there's been a lot of, a, lot, a, a diff, different regulatory, uh, mindset but but then we have this entire we have these collections of of gambling called uh vegas in atlantic city and places like that where where they do this stuff to a fairly well and i hadn't i hadn't ever thought of that but right that you're right their their knowledge of their customer with that they, you know use, use your card so you can x y and z it's gotta be extraordinary yeah. <laughs> You could well, you could do a heck of a paper, right? Wild uh, wildlife and the other wildlife, and how the two, how the two are the same. Yeah, yeah. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, the same, you know, the same challenge. How do how do you earn the you know earn the attention, earn the spot in the inbox? I, I'm I'm curious your thoughts about one thing, because when you're talking about your uh, your wildlife client, this really struck me. There's a real building a ship in a bottle challenge um, with the email piece of marketing and others of accumulating knowledge about that customer. It's not like we're going to sit down and fill out a 30-page questionnaire telling you everything. It's like comes along a little bit at a time. Even the gambling clients are, are gathering that with cards or swipes or, or whatever else, but it, they're getting it a little bit at a time and building up that picture and hopefully evolving that picture as you go along. That's a, it's not easy. No, it's it's not, and um, the because it's not easy, or or perhaps because it become it can become very complicated very quickly. Yes, it then can become paralyzing, or actually you, you have <laughs> you have a lovely big ambition, and you you've come out of a lovely two day strategy session, and yeah, you know you flip charts of field, and that's great, and then you sit down and you go, but where do I actually start? And yeah, then how at do that we do point, this? it kind of fails. So. <laughs> As a as a strategist, that used to always be the biggest frustration. You kind of, you know, how do we actually turn this into activity? And and the trick there is you've got to break it down into manageable bite-sized uh, chunks. So so for me, there's a there's a couple of considerations from a strategic level. One is um, what do we know about the customer? Not necessarily what they've told us, but what do we know about them? So you know, let's let's get let's go commerce just to kind of switch it up. So you know, are they have they bought from us? Have they used us in any way? Yeah. Have they used us once? Are they multiple? Are they lapsing? Can we see and understand that? Because that customer life st- um, stage segmentation allows you to be more relevant than if you just treat everyone in the same way. Don't tell your prospects. The same thing you're telling your first-time customers. Don't tell your first-time customers the same thing you're telling your lapses. So that's something that everyone can pretty much understand from a logic. Yeah, I can understand why that needs to be a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Can I recognize it within my data? It's probably easier because it's transactionally based rather than anything else. And it starts everyone on a road of segmentation as a as a you know as a as a as a journey to take. There's a there's a step before that problem. I'm curious about your thoughts on, um, especially, especially now. And the step before that is, can can you? How do you know? How do you know who they are in the first place? In order to ferret out that that you know, have you bought before? Have you been a customer before? Distinction. And I'm, what I'm alluding to there is um, is is our dawning awareness of privacy and and data control. And the the sometimes tenuous and even difficult uh, identity barrier between uh, a visitor, a customer, and and our business or our charity or whatever it is. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. And and I guess that in part that's why I love email because actually you by default you're a <laughs> yeah. kind of step on from yeah. that because yeah. you have to have put the hand up or you have to at least know know who they are. Right. Um, right. But yeah. So so in that kind of awareness piece. Um, so, and this is where slightly, you know, programmatic and social have got themselves a bit of a bad reputation because the promise was that that could all be done, but yeah. it's very smoke and mirrors. And actually, with the new cookie regulations coming in, et cetera, and yes. privacy becoming more and more kind of uh, yeah. top of mind, yeah. that becomes harder and harder to actually to yes, do. So, so the flip side of that potentially is um, is that you kind of have to work to your your uh, kind of. A biggest cohort. Uh, so, you know, from a, a lookalike approach. So, actually, if I don't know anything about this individual, um, let's say that, you know, from a search point of view, yes, you can try and control search, but actually, they've come to the website. How can I, how can I give them a journey that's at least going to be slightly relevant to them? So, can I, within the the web architecture, kind of go, are you new or are you existing? Can we give mm-hmm. them some journeys to start to take? Mm-hmm. Um, to at least start to kind of close down the type of content, or can I um, at least surface my most common of or frequently asked or you know some the the content that kind of gets the richest pages, but make that really easy to find first. Yeah. Um, but with a value that says actually you know l- we want to be as relevant as we can to you. Mm-hmm. 
give us a little bit of information and allow yeah. us to kind of then be able to tailor that for you. And, yeah, the and I don't know many people that aren't willing to give something in return. Yeah. So actually, if, if, you know, let's say I've come to a travel and leisure site and I'm being asked, you know, do you love the sea or do you love the countryside? And actually give us a little bit of information and we'll be able to kind of tailor it. Yeah. Then absolutely, because, you know, I know it's going to make my life easier. But yeah. it's when you go, here's a form, fill it out. But, I, you know, I have no value behind it. You go, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't, Not I, don't yet. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then or, or, and that, that tendency, that sort of lunge of we, we, we want to tell you everything before we even did hello. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, hello, what's your name? Um, uh Ty, my friend Ty Giuliani calls it the value vomit. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> tell you well, you said, the simple version of that is it's where the carousel came from, isn't it? Actually, we don't know what you want to see. So yeah. we're going to use a piece of real estate that just trying to gives you everything. Yeah. Whereas actually, if you had kind of three choices and, you know, we use it in email, don't we? A self-segmentation. Which of these three things are you interested in? Yeah. Click yeah. on the one. I now know. I can use that again. Even if you're anonymous to me, I know what group you're in. Yeah. Um, and actually to to be to be a bit more explicit about asking information and asking for choice yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing um yeah no uh, yeah I, I i appreciate it i i appreciate the upfront candid you know we're doing this so that we can better uh you know better do that you have, have to give i have to give google some some points for having for having done that consistently pretty well at least in some of their main properties you know you you get that if you if you search on I don't know fly fishing gear, you're gonna see some on the side, and we all we're all comfortable, relatively comfortable, yeah. with that equation now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, if they if they're accumulating pieces as they go along, oh, he asked about this, yeah. oh, he asked about that, oh, he yeah. asked about that. The, mm. the trick then is not to keep doing it if you don't get further engagement. So you know, I'm buying Hello Kitty stuff for my daughter five uh-huh. years ago. Uh-huh. He doesn't want it, and I definitely don't want to see it now. But if you just repeat that behavior because you've yeah. got nothing else, whereas if you go, well, let's show it, is there engagement? Right, let's keep showing it. If they're yeah. not engagement, what might be the alternative? And yeah. that's that's where the smiles start to come in. And 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 where that's going to be the the you alluded to it right the the shift away from third party cookies, um, increasing privacy, the the mechanisms and instruments for listening for that behavior are, are going to have to get retooled. It's not yes. going to be as simple as it, as it was once upon a time. Um, when I, uh, when one of my sons went off to college uh, and started actually spending money, um, he used my Amazon account, uh, which I'm, you know, cause I'm fine with. So he could see everything I bought. I could see everything, but, but I would notice why is such and such showing up in a web browser? Oh, Hunter, were you were you looking for you know whatever you know music gear? Is that why I'm seeing guitars all of a sudden? Um, so I'm sure we confused the heck out of uh, out of someone somewhere. In a that's your story, and you're sticking to it. You know? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. It uh, it does make it does make uh, you know holiday, Christmas surprises a little more difficult. I've got to say. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let's go down. Let's go down the. Uh, the email rabbit hole a bit more specifically a a fair a fair spread of the audience for this uh podcast are more likely to be uh you know entrepreneurs uh small to medium-sized businesses may not have thought about their email program at the kind of scale of some of your clients and i'm wondering what your advice to start climbing email mountain looks like yeah so so and again, certainly for startups, email doesn't tend to be where they kind of go because it's all purely acquisition. It's absolutely yeah. about getting um, yeah. the, the the advice I'd give is ensure that you've got a way to start building your email base. though. even if you don't think you're going to use it straight yeah. off, it, yeah. actually everyone coming to the website, everyone interacting with you, yeah. you know, physically at an event doesn't really matter. Being saying we would like to keep in touch, we'd like to kind of you know be able to share and show. As, as required um, because certainly those kind of early stages, you know, the, the, the view is, well, if I haven't got thousands of, it's not worthwhile, but actually for a lot of businesses, another two or three clients use of platform 
makes a difference. Makes so sense. actually, if I've got 50 people that I'm talking to mm-hmm. sensibly, then actually I only need one of those to actually go, do you know what? I will take that extra this or start doing that or tell my network about it yeah. to make a difference. So, so, so although it might seem, uh, you know, nowhere near as kind of worthwhile as the kind of big volume stuff in other channels, yeah. make sure that you're capturing it, make sure that you nurture it because actually that will ramp up fairly quickly um, right. and it becomes the starter for 10 and actually it's an ongoing relationship and conversation and therefore is likely to bear fruit much more than, you know, paying for a, for another, uh, you know, um, ad somewhere. That's really good advice. And it also in, in, implicit there is uh, you, you can't, you can't buy those relationships from some guy off the back of a truck, right? Hey, I've got, you know, a, a million addresses in this industry. Like, yeah. Aside from it's not legal, it's not a good idea. Yeah, you you have less of a relationship with those folks on that list than the, than the guy who landed on your website and spends you know spends a minute there and fills in the box. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. How much uh, how much data should someone attach in that initial you know Hey, would you, do you want to be on our list and hear more from us? Yeah, so so I do you know and I, and I know that there'll be. Uh, a, a large group going no you've got to get it first hit or you've got nothing but i i do absolutely believe that um minimal requirement as a starter is the better way forward so you know first name surname email address that's all yeah. you necessarily need to kind okay. of start with um because it allows you to at least kind of recognize who they are and continue that conversation so the trick is as somebody's gone, you've made it very easy for them to be able to kind of start that relationship. You've not yeah. given them a kind of big full-on preference center form to kind of fill in. Yeah. You're up and running. The trick then is your welcome journey. So don't drop them straight into your newsletter. Don't just go generic, but actually go thank you. Yes. And if you've got some idea of the source that they signed up from, you know, is it after reading a blog? Was it on the homepage? What, you know, if you've got that kind of um, insight that you can offer, reference it and use it. Yep. But then within the you know first couple of weeks you can go, you know, we'd like to know a little bit more about you. We'd like to be able to make sure that we're only sending you relevant and important information. Mm-hmm. So here's another bit, another small form to kind of fill in. Or actually here's our preference center. So you can say, these are the things I'm interested in. Um I did a, a lot of work with um Travelodge, who are a big budget uh, or probably the largest budget uh, hotel chain in the UK. Um, and we introduced a preference center for them. So that as well as kind of channel specific, it also allowed you to say, you know, are you business or leisure? Because actually what's important to somebody who travels for business, you know, Wi-Fi, parking, uh, uh, breakfast availability is very different from family, which is comfort, size of room, yeah. uh, amenities, et cetera. Yeah. Um, we then also kind of asked uh, for a date of birth. We did that with the value exchange going, you know, oh, we we would love to be able to give you something nice on your birthday. So absolutely upfront, explicit, but it then meant that we've got some kind of demographic data. And Mm -hmm. also we could then actually once a year, um, give a reason to speak to someone who we wouldn't necessarily have a reason to otherwise. So, so again, just that value exchange, um, works. When you, uh, one, when you, when you suggested the birthday, was there, internal resistance to asking the question um the the question that it was uh well why is it why why what why what's the okay. value of that um, okay because from a from a um a process and a and a business point of view yeah i don't need your birthday for you to be able to book a room with me yeah so actually that mindset that kind of nice commercial kind of uh yes. Yes. you know black and white um yeah, well, that's great. But actually, um, if I keep sending you stuff because you don't need anything, what are you going to do? Yeah. If I send you stuff that actually is for you, tailored to you, what are you going to do? Okay. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, uh, and again, probably market, marketers are the worst for it, is we kind of come <laughs> into work and we take off our consumer hat and we put our marketer hat on and go, da-da-da, I'm now going to talk at you and I'm going to just tell you stuff and, you know, you are going to listen and this is the best news you've ever heard. And then you <laughs> kind of look at your your phone and go, rubbish, 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 rubbish. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's the trick is to remember what it's like to be a consumer <laughs> when you've got the market is how long. 
<laughs> That's a good advice. Uh, second question about the birthday. Um, how 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 much how successful? Like, what percentage of people would say, "Oh yeah, I understand," and here you go. Yeah, so we we had something. So we didn't make it mandatory. There's, there was sure. no need. Yeah. Um, but we had, uh, from memory, something like an 85, 90% take up on that because oh, that's we have also trained our consumers that if I give my birthday, yeah. I probably am going to get a discount or an yeah. offer or a yeah. free something. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? So, Why wouldn't so, yeah, I? Yeah. It was, it, it was uh, there was no issue in, in somebody kind of giving that information. That's wonderful to hear. We've got a, um, we live in, um, we live in a town called Bellingham, Washington, north sort of northwest corner of the uh, U.S. And we've got a fantastic uh, local bookstore, Village Books, and there the postcard comes in the mail uh, right before the, a week or so before the birthday. You know, like, here's your here's your discount and twenty plus years or whatever. I really expect that cotton picking card from them. <laughs> And I'm, yeah, I'm you'd wondering. now be upset if it didn't come. You know. Oh yeah, I mean it's actually become part of the brand and stuff like that. So you're right; the consumer expectation is there, um, but going ahead and, and delivering on it is is pretty darn important because I, I suspect if they'd asked my birthday and then never done anything with it, if they ever asked again, I'd say like, yeah. you know, no, you didn't care enough to do anything about it. Yeah, and and that's even even more important if you're ever doing any survey work. So, you know, surveys, again, are thick and fast. um, And if a consumer can't see that the effort that they put in is somehow uh, manifested in in change in the real world, you start to kind of lose. So, yes, you can incentivize it, and, you know, that's a a slightly different conversation. But that kind of, you know, we really do care, and we do we do want to kind of understand. Yeah. So we and then somebody starts to see change, uh, you know, is is really important. So, hmm. I mean, you, you'd you'd mentioned earlier how easy it is to end up in um in in paralysis. You know, come back from the flip charts. You go, where do we start? And I mean, even something as simple as your first name, last name, email address, and then you know, let's add we add birthday to the mix. It's like. On the one hand, you can gather an astonishing amount of data without asking. On the other hand, people will only surrender so much at a time. But it's such a it's such a mess. It it's it's so hard to start accumulating that picture, accumulating that knowledge about about a pros- about customers, about prospects, about you know the people that you're actually relating to at the other end of that pipeline. Like how do you how do you slice up that elephant so you eat it a bite at a time? Yeah, so so I think one of the ways to be able to do that is to ask the question: If I had this information, what would I do with it? Um, because that nice. stops you just collecting nice. anything yeah. and everything. Yeah, you know, we've got an opportunity to collect. Certainly, when you're dealing with kind of multiple parts of the business, again, see previous comment about everyone wants their message out there. Everyone wants to gather there and get their kind of data in. You know, how much do you spend? What are you doing? What's of interest yeah. to you? Where do you go? Yeah. So actually, so that's one way of filtering it. Go if we have this do we actually have the mechanism to to make it uh, some kind of content variation yes so if i'm asking for location am i i've got location based content that i can give if i have yeah. great then you can and that then feeds back into the reason we ask this is yeah so that you know one of the great um, ways of kind of getting over that from the mechanics of the form is to have that little pop up that says this is why we're asking this this is yeah. how we're going to yeah. use it this yeah. is what we've got um yeah. because then for those that are more cautious it gives that kind of reassurance that there's a kind of worthwhile right um so that's kind of that that, that helps to filter and then the second one is to go okay what's going to make the biggest difference first so you know we kind of come back to this life stage so actually if I've got some basic segmentation that says I know that 40% of my customers have only used this once mm-hmm. or 40% of my supporters going back to the charity have um, bought from the shop and never done anything else. Yeah. And I know that 20% of my base are kind of regular. Mm-hmm. Then I know the biggest difference is in that is in that first to second, whatever it is, use, purchase, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's where my focus needs to be. So that's the next thing that I tackle. So what do I need to know about that group to allow me to kind of make a difference? And that's, you can then start to chunk down the mm-hmm. data that you're starting to ingest and kind of ask for on that drip feed basis. Yeah, yeah. And and implicitly in what you said, think in terms of the long-term relationship you want with them, not just how to tailor, you know, this first message here. I I... I regret that I didn't bookmark it because, you know, you think you're going to remember where you saw something. And, of course, you never do because we're all 
overwhelmed, but I, I chanced across a conversation on video somewhere, and this is probably four or five years ago, seriously. And it was a restaurateur talking with a guy who was a restaurateur, had become really a consultant and advisor to restaurants. And, and the advisor, he just whipped it off in a minute or two. He had this extraordinary, extraordinary uh, burst out of his mouth. He said, okay, look, if you want to succeed in the restaurant business, and he just went through it step by step. He said, you know, you've got to have a special that gets people in the door for the first time. You go over, you talk with them personally, say, thanks for coming to my restaurant. You know, here's a note, bring it back half off your next dinner. He just went through this structured sequence. And he said, if you can get someone coming back to your restaurant and having a really great experience there, three or four times, he had a number. He said, they're going to become a regular and you're going to succeed. He said, if you think of making profit on every meal, every time someone walks in, whether it's the first time or fourth time or fifth time, you're probably not going to succeed because you're focused on, you know, the, the, the cost of the meal. And it's really the cost of getting them back in the door yeah. over and over. So you become a habit that you need to focus on. It's like, wow, is that insightful? How do you make them, you know, how do you earn that space yeah. in the head that, uh, you know, that, uh, that, uh, you know, wildlife conservation uh, non non nonprofit needs to earn as well. Yeah. Um, that leads me. I was uh, curious to talk with you because I was looking, you know, looking at your background and the uh, sort of real wide range of parts of the marketing world that you've that you've touched on um, in your career. And let's focus on that wildlife uh, wildlife group again because it's just so much fun to not talk about just <laughs> business selling widgets for a change. Um, I'm of the conviction that we're in a big slow shift from uh, from print to media, um, and what's going to move me about you know the organization that helps preserve lands here? They could they could bore me to death with words, but one picture is probably going to make me go, oh yeah, I know that place. Um, and and we consume media differently, faster, more readily than than print these days. And at the same time, here's email, honestly, to me, struggling with that equation. Email still, to me, very copy-centric. And I'm not saying copy doesn't matter, but I'm saying email tends to be words, 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 and decorate it with a couple of pictures and hit send, and off you go and do the same thing again. And it irks the bejeepers out of me because I think we're missing an opportunity. Reactions? Yeah. Um, so two reactions. One, uh, I pretty much agree in terms of uh, – so one of my mantras for email is less is often more. So actually nice. You nice. Know, reduce. So, so again, think about your own consumer behavior. When you look in email, how many times do you read verbatim the words? You don't, you scan you it. You so actually, you know, that mechanics of email is we, we know that you absorb image first, uh, title, subtitle bullets, yep. and then any copy. Yep. So yep. be aware of that. So actually, and, and I think it's fair to say we, the, you know, the, one of the kind of trends across 2019 and 2020 is far more visual emails yeah. as a whole. You know, that certainly it helped in part, I think, with mobile view, but actually you've got longer, deeper, richer hero images. They're kind of really in that use of kind of animation is kind of very much kind of back in. Yeah. So it's becoming a little bit of an art form as well as a kind of uh, a medium. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's any kind of bad thing. And I, and I think one of the, the places that email will end up going is to be far more interactive in itself. So whether that's your scratching, whether you're, you know, so when AMP kind of grows up or something around that, that actually allows you to interact to tab with the email Mm. um, combined with the ability to change content on open rather than send. So actually if I'm at the beginning of the day, I get a different message from the end of the day. All of those things will kind of will help email have a new life. Um, and I think it will move away from being transactional. So WhatsApp will kind of continue to be the transactional. SMS will continue to be the you've got a parcel arriving, your appointment is, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of part of it. Um, and I think the second part is that actually email is a fantastic signpost to the content. So actually, mm. you know, we're not yet embedding video in in email because not every client supports it. And it's, you know, what one person sees is not another. So from a from a uh, a developer's point of view, it is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but actually putting that animated GIF that says, here is the video content yeah. to then go and find it yeah. is the thing that kind of really works. 
The only kind of contrary part I'll give you to your statement is that I still absolutely think there is a place for print. And actually, as it's become less common, I think it's become a little bit more special. And we've certainly seen that, um, certainly, uh, you know, in terms of our appeal journey, yeah. having a beautifully created five-page booklet, you know, and again, from a nature point of view, we've got a lot of really rich, you know, if you imagine National Geographic, it's probably kind of something that everyone kind of understands, sure. a similar kind of richness of image and, and beauty of nature, yeah. to be able to kind of see that and then have that followed up by an email that says, and here's how you can next do something. Those two things absolutely are a, are greater than the sum of each of those individuals. So combining those channels to work together, nice. You know, it's still a, a real place for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's a, there's a. We'll talk about we'll talk about uh, email and paid newsletters and that whole that whole thing in a second. That there, or this is my lead into it. Uh, there's a writer named Ben Thompson who writes a newsletter called Stratechery, um, and I pay for a subscription to Stratechery every month. And I practically pounce on Ben's email almost every morning. Like, like, oh, there's Stratechery. Ignore everything else. Read this thing. And it's long. Like his his emails, long and thoughtful and wonderful writer. Um, and and you're talking hundreds and hundreds of words almost every day. And I read almost every word almost every day, which is like ooh, fascinating. There is a place for there is a place for verbiage and there is a place for copy and there is a place for writing. And here's the but. But Ben has also got this knack for sitting down with, I'm pretty sure it's the paper app on an iPad, busted you, Ben. And he'll draw the simplest looking diagrams that actually really pull his point together. You know, this, this is why Facebook has kneecapped the newspaper industry. And he'll do it in verbiage, but then he'll also do it in a visual. And the two work extremely well together and and so i i read his stuff and i read his images as well and i happily pay and and do everything i can to drive more people his way because it's incredibly valuable uh in, he, he delivers incredible value like of course i'm going to keep my stratechery yeah. subscription like it's, that's wonderful so it is possible to get people to read your email i mean yeah, maybe it's helps he's a smart writer and i care about the topic but it is entirely possible to get people to read your emails yeah. it's not easy and that that sort of taps into um so a couple of things but the main thing being that that um so the i'm certainly the email council for the data and marketing association one of the industry yeah, bodies TV. within yeah. the uk yeah um and so they do uh, consumer research every year and the biggest reason that somebody opens an email yeah so 48 percent from memory is the relationship you have with that business or what you've seen in the past. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like uh, 30% for the subject line. So yeah. it's because you know yeah. that the content is valuable because yeah. you enjoy it, it entertains and it informs. Yes. You're almost using it as a print medium now to go, actually, the email is just the vehicle for the copy. Right. Whereas actually, right. if you had somebody that you were less engaged with and you opened up an email and it went, Phoomp, you yeah. go, yeah no. yeah no yeah no i no i don't you're, you're yeah you're absolutely right does not exist in a vacuum and i had seen i had seen and read his columns you know not in email enough times to go who is this guy because i keep thinking that's incredibly smart what he just said oh i can subscribe great i, I wanted to ask you about because we're segueing in that direction uh uh you've got lots of lots of news about substack um recently in the email world substack being paid emails newsletter uh twitter acquired a company uh six months ago or something like that that's a paid email newsletter platform it's like all of a sudden email as a delivery vehicle for words as you just said it's kind of got some sex appeal um after having been relatively quiet for oh, a decade or so reactions yeah. comments yeah, so but I, I think that's more than about email being a delivery mechanism rather than um, a content form. Okay. Um, so I think there's probably a separation there between actually um, because it, in the content form, from a marketing point of view, am I likely to pay for it? No. If it's the way that I can receive that information or be signposted to the rest of the information – as a as a mechanism then mm. absolutely um 
so yeah so i think it's it's email doing two slightly different jobs depending on kind of its point of so, origin so here's a substack story i want to know what i want to I, i'm curious about your reaction to this uh and i think they're throwing some vc money around which makes some of this easier but they've done they substack have done some what i would call cherry picking of of journalism um they've taken top tier writers away from the new york times from vox and said, look, you, you individually, you have a, you know, a voice and a following that's substantial. Here's a pile of cash. Leave that place. Come write your own newsletter. You'll end up making a ton more and we'll do just fine. And they've, they've pulled some very high profile writers away from the, you know, the conglomerate that is a New York Times, a Vox or something like that. And pull them over into Ben Thompson, sort of solo writer. It it's it it seems like and and email is just doing is the delivery and control mechanism, yeah, if you yeah, will. Yeah. There, um, but it it also strikes me as like wow, that's that's like last gasp for conventional, all in one place conglomerate journalism. Like it's a huge huge threat to those institutions. They're gonna, if their stars can jump ship and go have a solo career. How's the band going to keep playing, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it feels very similar to what Netflix did in terms of when they started creating content and their own film and their own, you know, that was taking it away yeah. from the yeah. networks. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like, like anything. You know, we've, we've got a great big debate in the UK at the moment over our soccer leagues and the new super soccer I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Super so soccer. this is a whole kind of like, you know, we've got the best of the best. We're going to put it somewhere else. We're going to make it a walled ring fenced yeah. secret place. Yeah. And we'll make a load of money from it. And, yeah. you know, everyone is kind of going, but that's not what the whole grassroots up to professional. That's that's not the basis of it. And, you know, but you've got others kind of, so you've got that kind of view and you've got the other views again. But if it means that I can see my team play against Spain or Italy, the best yeah. of, it yeah. should be great football, and and why not? So, like all these things, what value do I as an individual put on it? And does that mean that I'm willing to pay or subscribe or sign up to? Yeah. Or does it actually um, disengage me because it's seen as too cynical or too, you know, commercial? Well, wow, a lot to unpack here. Um, so that that uh, proposal you talked about, and I, what's the label for that league? Not the Super League or something like that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. It's, yeah. it's kind of yeah. I was watching I'll, it on the news yesterday. So. Yeah, like I like I know Bobkiss about soccer, and I, interestingly <laughs> enough, Ben Thompson Stratechery did a piece on that proposal for a super league. He said this is this is another really. It's an inter, this is another internet and free distribution things like because it's the most famous teams, not necessarily the best teams that are proposed for this super league. Um, which is kind of like the most famous writers could go write a newsletter article, not not necessarily the best in in a in a, in a competitive sense. I don't know how yeah. you have writer competitions, but its attention is becoming such a scarce commodity that the proposal there is: we'll take the ones that are brands that are brands in your head already, take the twenty you know the twenty most known soccer brands, football brands, um, package them up, and 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 you'll go there. And yeah. I would counter argue that that Netflix example, Netflix Netflix doesn't just show hits. They've actually and they've invested and in, in, are investing more and more in creating a, a a pretty large repository because our tastes are diverse enough. Where if I'm going to stick with my Netflix subscription, I may do I may do it because of programs that are you know blah 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 you know, World War II British drama. You guys seem to love those, and <laughs> and you may do them because you like you know you, you like thrillers uh, or whatever. Instead of just everyone will come because we we have the just the top movies. The soccer super league seems like j- just 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 the top box office smash movies. And Netflix would say, no, nah, you got to have more depth than that, or people won't yeah. really stick around. I, I guess I, and. In a way, I guess we've got so used to Netflix that it just seems normal now. But I'm fairly sure that in the beginning they had content that was only available on Netflix to bring everyone in. And therefore, there's a kind of sense of you've got to come here if you want it. Or certainly if you want to watch all of it, you've kind of got to come here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
so but over time they've kind of almost become magnanimous again and kind of given back and they're supporting smaller projects so yeah. so uh, you know there's you know there's there's good and evil in everything i guess there's but, good and you know, evil in everything yeah. yeah um i just got a pop-up that says uh, that says one you 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 chewed up a whole bunch more next time than you asked for so thank you for continuing this conversation but um I've got to let Zoom turn this into a video for uh, for our mutual purposes and and hopefully our audience's purposes. But so I got to wrap up. But um, parting like advice for companies that are sort of not really doing the job with their e- with the with the email piece of their marketing world. What you know? How, how do you how do you convince them that it's worth the time and attention and it's not old and tired and dead? Yeah. So so I think. It depends who you're talking to. So if you're talking to from a commercial point of view, I would say send an email and watch your web traffic, watch your phone ring, and watch your yeah. your sales, your support, your engagement yeah. happen within 24 hours of that send going out. It, yeah. you know, it absolutely has an immediate impact. Yes, it does. Um, I think from a marketer's point of view, I would say what other channels do you own that data? What yeah. other channels can you... Uh, nurture that relationship, um, make email work for you, um, mm-hmm. and then and then for the strategists and the vendors and the platforms, I'd say, how can we help the those that aren't tech savvy, that aren't coders, that that just have the good ideas? Yeah. How can we enable them to make the content they're putting out as relevant, engaging, entertaining as possible? Nice, nice. You 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 just did the. You just did the commercial for this podcast episode. <laughs> As usual, far better spoken than your cousins across the pond here. Hey, Nick, hang on. I'm going to hit the end record button. So you're not going to have a quick tag in the conversation. But once again, my my guest has been Nick Crawford, owner and principal consultant at Twist Consultancy. What's the URL for Twist in case someone's listening and they're curious? Yeah, so it's twistconsultancy.co.uk. Dot co dot uk nick thanks uh thanks so much for the time it was a real pleasure speaking with you today yeah i really enjoyed it thank you hi dr matthew dunn here thank you so much for listening to the future of email if you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest please apply at campaigngeniusio slash future of email if this interview was useful for you please consider sharing it Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash futureofemail, or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.